0: Welcome to The Gem Series, powered by Rocket Level. On this podcast, we empower entrepreneurs to succeed by setting big goals, executing like a pro, and having a fearless mindset. The Gem Series is all about investing in yourself. We're here to share the path to getting what you want out of life by sharing the stories of entrepreneurs who have done this themselves, providing thorough research from our team on what careers and habits are yielding the best results and discussing the mindset it takes to overcome the obstacles that all future entrepreneurs will face. Investing in yourself starts with putting in the work every single day, and this podcast is here to help you do exactly that. My name is Blake Chapman. I'm the Vice President of the Ambassador Program here at Rocket Level, and I am thrilled to be your host for the GEM series. Today, I am pleased to welcome another incredible guest to the gym series, Allie Boone. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to get to talk to you today, Allie. Uh, just to give you guys a little tiny bit of background, she has a degree in aerospace engineering. And during that process, found out uh, you know, that she wasn't necessarily an, an engineer, but an entrepreneur that is extremely multifaceted. Allie does anything from competitive rowing, flies mm-hmm. airplanes, literally teaches people how to fly them, uh loves being in the great outdoors is a published conference paper author and she founded Hipster Investments which is uh amazing it's one of the leading companies working with turnkey rental properties having facilitated over 18 million in turnkey sales in just the first 5 years of business uh yeah you've got a great life <laughs> resume Allie. I I'm hope like, you don't mind me bragging like, on you a little bit that actually makes
1: me sound very exciting. I'm like, Oh, I've, I've calmed down a lot. I mean, reading that paragraph, <laughs> like... you
0: can hear it in my voice. I got excited. So now I'm, I'm so excited to have you on. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. I'm so excited to awesome. be here to do an in-person you know, like the whole world is online and zoom these days, like to actually get to meet other people who are doing similar things. And, you know, it's amazing.
0: I'm always, I'm always happy to get to meet people in general, but the in-person is a lot of fun, you know, for sure, we've gotten to, uh, you know, have a little bit of coffee, talk off camera. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's always a lot of fun. Um, so for those that don't know you, Allie, could you just tell the audience just a little snippet about yourself?
1: Well, my name's Allie. I like, like, well, walks on the beach. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I do like the beach. Um, Yeah, so I grew up in Atlanta, where we are. Awesome. And I, you know, it was a very standard, go to school, get good grades, Mm -hmm. get a secure job, work it, save your money, retire kind of thing. So I did that, and that's why I got into engineering. I was flying airplanes before that, and I didn't want the pilot life. So I was like, oh, I'm sure engineering is going to be exactly the same thing. It's going to pay way more. That was a hundred percent not accurate, Mm. but I did the master's degree in that because it was, I was following, you know, I think at that time I didn't know there was another option. I just, that's what the world did. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. And before I ever sat down in my first cubicle, I looked around and I was like, "Uh uh-oh. This isn't going to, like, I knew (laughs) I hadn't even sat down yet. I was like, I got to get out of here. So literally the next five years, it was a job I'm very grateful for. It was a lot of people's dream job. It just wasn't my dream job. Sure. And so I spent five years trying to figure out how to get out because I had skills. Like I could fly airplanes, but it wasn't anything practical for how somebody leaves corporate. Mm
2: -hmm. And.
1: I was reading every book I could get my hands on. I was motivated. I was like, I cannot do business casual clothes every day. I cannot show up. I'm not a morning person. I don't like reporting to people. Like I want to be my own person. And a lot of people ask how real, how I got into real estate. And I kind of say in a way it fell in my lap, but that makes it sound like I didn't do any work for it. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know, like from all the books I was reading, do I start a business? Do I get into real estate investing? Yeah. Those seem like the things that would get somebody out of corporate. And I had decided to start a business. I didn't know what kind, but I was like, I'm going to do the business thing. Yeah. And while I was doing that, when I still had a high-paid corporate paycheck every Friday, which was very convenient back in the day, <laughs> I missed that on occasion, <laughs> uh, I was like, well, I might as well do something smart with my money. So I started doing some investing. And little did I know, the people I was going to meet, everything just absolutely took off. And I was having, I was starting to, I was, I did another investment project, which is what got me started, but very quickly turnkeys became an option because Atlanta mm-hmm. was one of the big markets at the time. This was 2011. Ah, one of okay. the, if not the biggest market, you could buy the cheapest houses that were renting really high. The price mm-hmm. to rent ratios were ridiculous. And so I started doing that and the people that I started meeting and then everyone's like, well, what are you buying? Cause you assume you have to swing hammers and flip houses and yeah all this hands on stuff. And I, I wasn't. So next thing I knew people I knew were buying through the companies I was buying through, I started writing about it online. And then I got to reach out from bigger pockets and they're like, Hey, do you want to write for us? Cool. And from that point on, it just skyrocketed to it's, it was a, not that turnkeys were new at the time, but Mm -hmm. it was something people hadn't necessarily known about or considered. And during the crash, it was amazing because you could buy everything so cheap. So that's really what started. And that was, so this, month. Well, September, 2022 is the 10 year anniversary of me leaving corporate, which is <laughs> wow. Crazy. Congratulations. Thank you. That's amazing. <laughs> like, wow. That's been a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, but it's been so awesome too. But over that 10 years, it's been interesting to see how the whole thing evolves because not only has my company been evolving, the real estate market has been mm-hmm. evolving just constantly. And so things have shifted. You know, we've been through the whole COVID thing. What's real estate going to do then? Yeah. And a few years ago, I started doing just real estate investing coaching on the side. But during COVID, especially when people were suddenly locked into their houses, no pun intended, since we were talking investing, I started doing a lot more coaching. So that's really built up. And my big focus now, I still do tons with turnkeys, but I absolutely love new investors, investor psychology, the mindset, because that's Mm -hmm. what I feel like most people aren't talking about because- you know, there's no emotions in real estate investing. It's all about the numbers. And like, okay, kind of, but also it's scary. And none of us know what we're doing. We didn't learn this in school. no. And so that is now kind of what I've started focusing on is the things that would have helped me get started to make it less complicated, you know, increase my chances for success, find a strategy that works instead of being like, well, I should flip houses. Okay. Well, maybe you know, so I've really, that's been a really rewarding thing. I still love helping people with turnkeys, but kind of getting into the newer investor side of things has just been so fun for me, more rewarding. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the, that's how we got here.
0: That is incredible. I, uh, you know, it just, it gave me a flashback to my first corporate job where I (laughs) had the cubicle and I was sitting there going, is this the rest of my life? Ooh. I was like, I don't know. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but it just for, I, I had a similar moment, I think, where mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, you know, I, I just really don't feel like I'm going to make the kind of impact where I'm going to be passionate enough about what I'm doing right now to be yeah. even uh, worthwhile to be here, probably. Yeah. I was pointless. You know? I mean, yeah. I was such a waste of their salary. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And I think, you
1: know, there are people that absolutely love what they do and corporate is, there's nothing wrong with corporate. It's just that, you know, it's so important for every, like I said, it was, I had what I ended as a top secret flight test engineer, Mm -hmm. like, and I was traveling out to top secret places. Like it really was a dream job. Yeah. But again, it wasn't my dream job. And I think that's something that's so important for people is to look at yourself in the whole equation, Mm -hmm. not what everyone tells you you should do. All that because again someone's dream job not my dream job so yeah
0: yeah absolutely right um and you know something that i keep talking about a lot and keeps popping up is just the ability to prioritize correctly yeah uh i mean i feel like that's one of the most essential things that sometimes we all get a little bit misguided in terms of like okay what do i actually what is my number one priority yeah. so Going back in time a little bit, did you have a first kind of goal in mind ever Where when you were a kid, like, you know, I, something that maybe indicated like, hey, maybe I will run my own business one day. Did you have anything like that growing up? I think up? that
1: would have been my entire childhood. Really? Not a fan of anyone ever telling me what to do. So like, <laughs> you know, I didn't know it at the yeah. time, but that was a first hint. Yeah. <laughs> my parents would probably attest like, to that.
0: Am I unemployable? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, the first thing I remember happening, I was 13. And I don't remember what prompted it, but I woke up one day and I was like, I'm going to make a lot of money. I was Mm -hmm. determined. And it wasn't from a pretension standpoint, but it was from a problem solving personal challenge. Like, how can I make this happen? And it's been interesting with that particular mindset or idea from a kid, because as I started getting into entrepreneurship and over the last 10 years, especially, is that priority has shifted a lot. I could probably make a gajillion dollars if I wanted to, mm-hmm. but I also like to sleep in and yeah. go to the beach. And you know, that's something else I feel like people aren't talking about. Is like, I'll be the first to say my name's Allie, and I like to sleep in. You <laughs> know, like nobody <laughs> totally. wants to admit that, and it's totally. but it's true. And so my happiness and my joy—it turns out it's not the dollars in the bank. That was more of a problem solving type of thing, but I'm willing to take less dollars in exchange for living the life that I want. And same with turnkeys from an investing standpoint, I could make more dollars flipping houses and doing all that, but I want to go to the beach in the afternoon, you know, I want to sleep in and I want to go to the beach and I absolutely cannot stand dealing with contractors. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's that, it's been an interesting evolution from that 13 year old, but that mindset absolutely kicked it off for sure.
0: Man, you know, and and I think that that's something that's so important too, is whenever you are whittling it down, people talk a lot about like, oh yeah, I have to hustle nonstop. I have to do yeah. all of this. And I, I feel like people look at other people's definitions of financial freedom. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, why aren't you taking the time to just like figure it out for yourself? You know, we're, we're literally all going to die.
2: (laughs) like Not to go back to to the cheesy YOLO, but
0: YOLO. Yeah.
1: Well, and like Shark Tank is Mm -hmm. like, I love watching that show and the sharks sit up there and they've all pretty much attested to the Mm -hmm. fact that for however long they were working 14, 16, 18, 20 hour days. Yeah. And granted, they are sitting in that chair because they're insane millionaires or billionaires, you know, so like the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you hustle like that, but I don't, I don't need a billion dollars for starters and I don't want to work 20 hours. I I have days where I do work 20 hours, but it's on my time. And if I want to travel, I do that instead. If I sit in the office for 20 hours, it's my choice. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think, you know, I think some of those messages are so amazing, but like you said, it also kind of gives us impression of the only way to do this is you got to hustle, hustle, hustle. And you know, like Instagram, and I see memes and everything and it's all about the hustle and the grind Mm That is so great for a lot of people, but also we already hustle, you know, there's a lot of hustling going on. And yeah. at what point does it need to become a slowdown type yeah. of thing? So those are some of the kind of the not as intuitive messages that I love. I'm like, no, Go watch netflix like
0: yeah take exactly off.
1: go watch tv and people are like what what i'm like i gonna sleep in while you're at it
0: <laughs> yeah well yeah well i mean that that gives you insurance against failing out i feel like yeah. you know i mean or burning out yeah or getting because yeah that's the thing like you only have so much in you mm-hmm. until if you go 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 like that until yeah. you get to a point where you're like you know what this is. It feels things feel a little bigger than maybe what maybe what they actually yeah. are. But if you, get, you love it, up do it. it. If you exactly, if, you know, some
1: people are. It's twenty hours a day, and that's like heaven for them. And mm-hmm. I've been there. Like totally. I've, I've worked when I first started my company, I would wake, I'd fly out of bed, and I'd be mm-hmm. on the computer. I was like, oh man, because I was designing yeah. stuff. I was like oh, was so great, but also like it's not a forever thing. Like you said, we only live, you know, a short period of time once. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're actually enjoying it. And you got to put some, you know, like I'm hustling a lot of times and I would totally. prefer to be watching Netflix, but see, this is where I've gotten older. And like, I used to do all the cool adventure stuff. I'm like, man, I can really go watch Netflix right now. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, gauging yourself and not taking on other people's messages to us and assuming that it has to be yours.
0: Totally. Totally. And what is, I, I you know, I was just thinking about the beginning of, of that transition. I always love to dive into that. Because I think you said five years, right? Yep. From five years, that was your your plan to kind of transition out of that. Mm-hmm. What did that, yeah, what did you do to make that happen? Like,
1: well, that was probably my biggest hustle period. I was I, motivated. Because that's, like, <laughs>
0: that's when people I know are like, I'm working 40 hours here and then uh-huh. I'm working 40 hours or more on my own business. Like, I mean, let's be honest. I almost want to cover yeah. up
1: the mic so my company doesn't hear me say that. I was during work hours, I was Googling, like, should I buy a hotel? Do I start? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I? I was never working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean. I
2: don't
1: know. I tried. Yeah. I legitimately yeah. tried. I even went to my manager because I wasn't given a lot of product. And this is in the very beginning. As I, you know, probably starting about three years when I took, I transferred to California mm-hmm. for a different position. I was definitely working. Let's not. Let's, sure. You know. Sure. Yeah. But maybe, maybe not as much as people would think. <laughs> but I was better. I'm better at like, I remember one time I had to, one of my big, positions was being a liaison between engineers and pilots because yeah. they don't understand each other at all. And I was both of them. So I could kind of translate for everybody. And I had to rewrite an operator's manual for an airplane. And, but like, I could sit down and just grind it out really fast. So then for the next, you know, five days or so, I was like, how do I going like, to rich down, poor down? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So,
1: you know, not that I necessarily recommend everyone using their work hours for figuring this out, but it's, it's, you know, and the answer for me isn't the answer for everybody. That's what sure. I did. I no, didn't know yeah. what this answer was. Like, there's no one person out there who's going to tell you, oh, if you, and the, if anyone tells formula. you here's the formula, which a lot of people do. Yeah. It, no, it's, uh, it's, it's not it's... the formula for you. Like, and so that's what everyone's got to figure it out for themselves as far as like, are you already doing something that makes money? Could you grow that? Mm-hmm. If you have no clue and you're like me, just start exploring and things will start kind of narrowing themselves down. Totally. And then... You know, like, don't just go diving off unless you have some massive savings account to save mm-hmm. you because you don't want to be super stressed the whole time. Yeah. But it's a, you know, it can be done is kind of the point. And I think a lot of people are in a position where they don't know how they can do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how I could do it either. Yeah. And that's, you just kind of got to start somewhere. And if you're intentional about it and you're active with it and you're trying to figure it out and you're dedicated, mm-hmm. I think the answers will come your way. Totally. At some
0: point. Totally. Did you bring other people into the equation, and were they pretty supportive right off the bat, or did you have anybody that was a little like, hmm. uh, Allie, what the Let's hell see, are you doing?" I had a very
1: <laughs> secure job, high-paid aerospace <laughs> engineer. I think you can imagine how my family was. Re- they were like, yeah. Ugh. "Like, but yeah. they they knew me at that point. They knew there was me, absolutely no stopping this." And they were just mm-hmm. like, "I mean, you know, but have you considered?"
2: You know, they were trying. Yeah. So
1: like. They were super supportive, but also nervous at the same time, which I get it. But again, they knew me at that point yeah. and it, it was going to happen.
0: No yeah. Cause what. I don't know about you, but for some reason, I, and I probably need to check this a little bit too, but when people say like, I don't think you should, or that seems like a bad idea. I'm kind of stubborn and I'm like, Uh I want to double down on it a little (laughs) bit more. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, it's it's, it's it's always rebellion. That's
1: actually how I got into real estate because I said it wasn't turnkeys that started. I had gotten through, I think it was a Think Realty newsletter in my inbox. Mm -hmm. And I had just been touring possible rental properties in Orange County because I live in L.A., And the numbers, I didn't know how to run numbers at the time, but I was like, something about this doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And so I knew nothing. And the cheapest house that was a total shack was like Mm $270,000. And then there was going to have to be a rehab and all that. Yeah. So I had all those really high numbers. So I'm sitting in my uh, computer desk at work and this advertisement comes through for $99,000 beach bungalows, beachfront, beachfront in Nicaragua and I was like okay hang on let me actually map Nicaragua hmm. I was like wait which continent are we talking about and I was like oh yeah the third world country in Central America and yeah. immediately my rebellion was like tell me more because <laughs> I knew yeah I knew if I told people I'm suddenly buying these pre-construction bungalows in a third world country they're going to be like you have absolutely lost your mind and as soon as I know that's how people are going to feel I'm like
0: I got to do it. It's time. It's time. <laughs> hey, and what, what happened? Uh, so you, did you oh, get nothing st- good? Oh, okay. Oh,
1: nothing <laughs> good. It was a, it was a uh, very aggressive start into real mm. estate. And it was the famous developer story. And this happens in the U S all the time too, is suddenly the money just nobody knows where it is.
2: Yeah. And so yeah. I lost
1: my very first investment attempt Brutal. was a $40,000 loss on these pre-construction things. And it was a big deal. Like it, they had Wyndham hotels in on this Mm -hmm. development, Jack Nicholas golf course. Like this was not like some, you know, sketchy mom and pop kind of thing. This was a massive development. Mm -hmm. And just one day suddenly no one really knew where the money was and Wyndham pulled out, Nicholas pulled out. And then everybody just kind of, I mean, and I was actually fortunate to have only lost 40,000. Like a lot of people had millions of their own money. It was a big deal. Um, And so Supposedly, the guy, he's not even allowed in the country and he's supposedly still building this development. I was like, oh, I'm not holding my breath on that one. So it was a frustrating start. And, you wow. know, that's another thing I talk to people too is like, there's two ways to look at that. I lost $40,000, which it'd be really nice if someone wrote me that check right now. Mm-hmm. That'd be great to have. Yeah. But when I look at it, that investment literally is why I'm doing what I'm doing right now mm-hmm. because that's where I found out about turnkeys. That's where I met all the people that changed. Everything for me. And one of those people was, became my mentor. He was living this lifestyle design life. And it was the first time I was looking at him and I was like, wait, you work your own schedule. You travel whenever you Mm. want to location independent. I was like, tell me more.
0: Yeah, I, you're like,
1: I, I will take your advice. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that prompted every, I ended up going to Nicaragua several times. I have, to date, it's my favorite country. So I was like, you know, five trips to Nicaragua, 10 years of entrepreneurship. I do what I want when I want. Like, it seems like $40,000 is actually a pretty decent price tag for that. Yeah. And so that's like, yeah. you know, that's something for Absolutely. real estate investing is things don't always go well. And not long after I lost, I, it was pretty confirmed that the forty grand was gone. Mm-hmm. I had a wave with my rental properties that I had bought in Atlanta, actually. Yeah. And one was vacant for like 10 months. The property manager was about another one. It was just a waterfall. And so I had the moment of, this is stupid. Like, why am mm-hmm. I getting in this industry? It's been nothing but a loss. Yeah. And fortunately, I had the mentor. And this is what i try and offer other people, too, is he kind of sat me down and he was like, I hear you. But let's actually look at this. Mm-hmm. And we kind of mapped out, you know, there's other profit centers of a rental property. And at the time, because of the crash, all those properties had appreciated stupid amounts of money. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you have a lack of cash flow and paying a mortgage the whole time is frustrating. But are we in the negative? And so he kind of talked me off the cliff. Uh, and okay. so I had that moment of like, okay, maybe I give it. Couple more years, because so far real estate was not proving itself to me. Was the point of that? (laughs) I was like, this industry sucks. I am
0: not sold on this. This is like spend
1: investment. What are you talking about? All I'm doing is shelling out money. Yeah. But you know, now ten years later, looking back, hands down, best investments I've ever made. Both, Mm -hmm. you know, just to still have the properties. Forty thousand dollars got me all of this. You know, and so it it is a real estate isn't always easy. And so, like, if you hit that big hiccup. It doesn't mean it's over. And I think people tend to quit early. Yeah, absolutely. As you know, I was seeing one of my rental properties before Mm -hmm. I was here and, you know, I'm losing a lot on it right now because it's vacant. The mortgage is going out. It's got big repairs coming. But people focus on just that kind of localized issue. But it's like. When I look at it, the cash flow is coming back. Like it's Mm -hmm. it's a hiccup. It's not a a permanent thing. So, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things of this industry is just don't quit right away. Because when you do, you're just, you're getting out too soon.
2: Yeah. Unless
1: you're truly losing sleep at night. It's not, it's not an industry for everybody. Don't lose sleep at night. If you're Mm -hmm. losing sleep, just, it it doesn't matter what the returns are. Don't do it. But if you have an interest in it, don't let the downfalls take you out.
0: Yeah. I mean that's where the mindset stuff that you're talking about 100%. seems so essential. Mm-hmm. I mean, if people just even just sharing this story right now, I would imagine there's people, I mean, me, I I'm curious about getting into real estate and, mm-hmm. and learning this kind of stuff too and you put know your when I hear that on. I know, I know, right? <laughs> it's
1: safer with a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or put a little helmet on your wallet. Yeah. It'd be fine.
0: Yeah, absolutely, cuz I'm like, okay, that's I mean, that's a good reminder to, mm-hmm. of like what you can actually actually get into. And then with the investment that you shared about the potential loss or the loss that you experienced, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it seems like that's something like a good reminder for everybody is that all of these things are uh, in a career or anything that you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. All of these things are uh, potentials to send you down a, you know, a bunny trail of like whatever the next best thing is. And it's so important to take stock of that so that Mm -hmm. you can actually uh, look back and fill your tank up and be like, all right, I got something from it. It's always propelling me forward, yeah. you know? Cause uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. It just gets me excited hearing that story that well, you I shared. Think, you know? And two
1: things, like in response to what you're saying is like so many people are, have a fear of failure mm-hmm. with real estate investing. Yeah. And I get it because there's a lot of money on the line sometimes. Totally. And so the fear of failure is a major holdback for people, but you have to look at it like, if a mistake, real estate is on the job training. Like you you Mm -hmm. can get a certain amount of training beforehand just to hopefully prevent the big things from happening. Yeah. But in 10 years of having my rental properties, I'm still learning new things. And some of them seem so minor and dumb. I should have known it years ago. Mm -hmm. But it's a perspective thing of, if there's a failure, how do you reframe it into a learning and yeah. a lesson? Because if you can't do that as a real estate investor, you're hosed because mm-hmm. you will fail. Totally. If you have enough properties for long enough, hands down, something weird's going to happen yeah. constantly. So that's one thing. And then, you know, with all of this said, it's really easy, I feel like, for people to take it to mean, oh, just, you know, no holds barred, bottoms up, do whatever, do it safely. Like with Mm my $40,000, I was a single person with a high paid corporate job. I could afford to lose that. And that was one when I went for this bungalow, I was like, okay, what is the worst case scenario here? Like truly. And Mm -hmm. everyone should ask this about any investment. And can you afford to lose it? So let's say you buy a little hundred thousand dollar rental property and you put $20,000 into it. Can you afford to lose the $20,000? Because I was fortunate that I was single with a high paid job. But if somebody has a family of five kids and this is their savings, mm-hmm. maybe don't do that, yeah, you know, or yeah. do something less risky. You know, so
0: I, I was actually thinking about that the other day because I was like, you know, we all tell ourselves, and I believe in this too, is focus on the positive impact you mm-hmm. can make and the positive impact that something can have on your life and what you want. But also consider the negative, you know, yeah. and so that you can be realistic of like, Hey, am I being wise here? Yeah. You know, cause, uh, that may- it might mean you have a little more prep work to do. Yeah. You know?
1: And like when I left corporate, I didn't have the nest egg I should have had. I should have had way more in savings, but again, I was, I had two dogs at the time, but yeah. if, I, if I'm going to take anyone out, I'm only taking myself out. I'm mm-hmm. not taking my entire family out. Totally. You know? And so it's, it's, you know, I just always want to be really careful of promoting like, yeah, it will be fun. No big deal. If you lose, lose 40 grand, just reframe it. It's, yeah. It'll be great. But you know, also do that wisely too. Looking at your own situation, looking mm-hmm. at, are you going to lose sleep at night? Like yeah. that's not worth it. Are you putting your family at risk? And I know there's a guy right now that has exactly $30,000 in his savings account and he wants to invest all 30,000. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Ugh. I, you know, from I yeah. I can't, I look, if you want to do it, But you're, if you do it, I'm going to have given you so many warnings. Like, I don't want you to be in that position. You need a nest egg for emergencies. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, always taking a toll of what is applicable for you.
0: Yeah. When did you, so 2012, you kicked things off. When did you start seeing the kind of like, oh, I'm starting to see some traction in the way that I, I I want to like, and what was that experience like when things started picking up a little bit?
1: Let's see. So I started buying them in 2011 2012 was kind of the rough year that was big vacancy, mm-hmm. like everything. I would imagine probably by 2013, everything was catching up. But back then, remember, the price to rent ratios were crazy. Yeah. Like the cash yeah. flow was so high. People even now are like, oh, you know, what What kind of cash flow do you make on your properties? I'm like, you don't want to know. Like, because <laughs> you'll never get it. You can't get it right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, the so like pretty immediately when everything was uh, full, I mm-hmm. was making pretty good returns on it. And then over the years, Atlanta appreciated huge. So mm-hmm. all of those, pro- I wish if I had not been a brand new real estate investor, then I would have found a way to buy so many. I mean, hindsight's always 2020, 20, right? Sure, but
2: sure.
1: what's been the most, uh, eye opening for me has just happened this year really yeah. is so now fast forward 10 years on mm-hmm. all these properties. Totally. And I knew this at the time, but I did not think that hard about it. And I didn't really put any stake in it is rent increases. Mm. So the property I just saw yeah. as I was driving here, God bless it. I told you the story. You want, <laughs> you want, you
2: want,
1: well, we'll, you, we'll dive you, into you, like real estate bloopers at some point. Uh, um, but <laughs> so that property was the house that I lived in. Mm-hmm. I lived in Atlanta and I got the job offer in California right in the middle of the crash. Yeah. So I had just, so I bought that house in August of 2008. Well, guess how long I owned it before the entire bottom fell out of the market. So almost, wow. I mean, in less than six months, the value from what I had just paid for the house went to less than half. And I was like, oh, another oh. good start. Like, this is so great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're like, you are killing me here. How I'm yeah. in real
1: estate today, I have no idea. Um, so the value went to half. Mm-hmm. So when I was moving, obviously I wasn't going to sell it. So yeah. like, I guess we're going it out. And at that time, like all the properties I work with now are big positive cash flow properties. And everybody wants cash flow. So if you like cash flow meaning the money left over after you pay your expenses every sure. month. So That house I rented out for $9.95 at the time. And my mortgage was right at $9.95. So Mm -hmm. technically it was a break-even property, technically negative with expenses. And a lot of people today wouldn't, they won't touch anything break-even. But I didn't have a choice at the time. It was that or sell it for less than half of what I just freaking bought it for. Mm -hmm. So $9.95 break-even. And it's for rent right now. We just got an application approved. And she's about to be paying 1800 dollars in that time, yeah. my mortgage has only gone up with taxes and insurance to 1100 So my break-even property, which was the lowest cash flow property mm-hmm. of all of them, is now about to be cash flowing $700 a month. Oh, okay. You know, when people yeah, are thinking of financial freedom, things. they're like, oh, each property is only going to make $150 to $200 a month. Mm-hmm. So I need so many of them. That's crazy. The rent increases are... Crazy, and I just had another totally. property that's not in nearly as good of an area. I don't know what the mortgage on that one is now, but it originally rented. It was the very first turnkey I ever bought, mm-hmm. and it was renting for nine seventy five at the time. And I only paid fifty five thousand dollars for this house, two stories, fully renovated. Wow, everything. So fifty five—that's the price to rent ratio I'm talking about. Fifty five thousand dollars for a nine seventy five rent is ridiculous. Yeah, and yeah. they just renewed her lease at eighteen hundred.
2: So that's just whatever what it costs now.
0: I think you my, know, I think my mortgage world, is.
1: Yeah maybe 600, give or take, not more than 700 a month. Dang. And they just, it's 1,800 now. Wow. So that, just this year, the 10-year look back, and, all, and a couple of them haven't gone up as much just because, like, one has a woman who's been in there forever and the original property manager wasn't increasing rent. Mm-hmm. So the other ones have yeah. room for it. But, like, these two, it just, i I did not take that seriously of... Now, if someone were to try and sell a, let's see, I paid, well, so that one, $55,000 renting for 1800 Are you kidding me?
2: Mm-hmm. And that's what yeah. I'm working
1: with now. And so that is where, like, while they were profitable in the beginning, and now, like, the house, I was talking about the tank to less than half the mm-hmm. value. Yeah. It's almost double the value now. Wow. So <laughs> it's like, it's. With rental properties in particular, they are long-term investments. Not Mm -hmm. to say you can't be profitable in the short term, but when you hold them, I'm only at the 10-year mark. And they are stupidly profitable for the reasons I knew intellectually, but I hadn't seen and experienced.
2: Yeah. But, you know,
1: rents are going to keep going up. Values are going to keep going up. Inflation is a beast right now, which Mm -hmm. makes everything go up. So, I mean, my 10 10 years is when I saw the, like, Oh, okay. Here's like, the, here's the profits. It's
0: really, really starting to all yeah. hit. Yeah that's, yeah. that's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, and what do you think gave you that kind of mental res? Cause I know you talked about your mentor was, was gratefully helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, w- do you have any advice on mental resiliency going through all of this? Because I know there's like, yeah, I mean, there's so many ups and downs. And like, when you talk, when people talk about, yeah, 10 years, mm-hmm. it's hard to like, yeah, it's hard to envision a decade from now, you know?
1: Yeah. 10 years has gone by very fast. I believe it. It's also been very slow and very fast (laughs) all at the same time. You know, I think the mental resilience, I was fortunate, I think, and I don't say this every day. It depends on what day you ask me about this Mm -hmm. is I am so desperate to stay out of corporate and so desperate to keep working for myself that I feel like I don't have a choice because 10 years of entrepreneurship has been Easily the biggest roller coaster of my life—the ups, the downs. You know, when I was flying airplanes and doing engineering, I was in control of everything in my life. Mm-hmm. There was nothing out of control. Yeah. And in ten years of entrepreneurship and real estate, it's like nothing's in my control, and mm. that has been—that uh, has—that has taken me to my knees. You know, yeah. former control freak now is not allowed to have control. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sweating a little. Um, but the mental resilience, I just felt like I never had a choice because mm-hmm. what's my yeah. option? Go back to corporate and totally. figure out business casual clothes. like I can't for me, the business casual clothes is almost more than yeah, deal. Yeah. like <laughs> I have to wake up early and look a certain way. like that sounds like my worst nightmare. yeah, and absolutely. so my um craving, I mean, it, I don't want to say it's an addiction, but kind of mm-hmm. like I have to have that so bad that I'm willing to go through the hard stuff. but, You know, so if you have that inherent, like, have to get out, can't do this. Yeah. It's super helpful.
0: Totally. Because otherwise
1: it's tempting to go back, right? Where it's easier. Because
0: then you're like, well, I got a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, like, whatever. You know, I got a fallback plan.
1: And I think the big thing, you know, outside of that is really kind of like I was saying before about the reframing Mm -hmm. of not looking at things like failures or, again, you know, some people will buy a rental property and the first year they lose 10 grand. You know, during COVID especially, this came up a lot. People had just bought rental properties and now their tenants weren't paying because of the eviction moratoriums and all that.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: they're like, oh my God, I lost $10,000 in my rental property in the first year. I got to get out and whatever. And it's like, "Yeah, I hear you, but it's it's having the mindset going into it to understand that in the long run, that 10 grand is not going to matter mm-hmm. at all. First of all, you're going to write it all off, yep. but then it's not going to matter at all. And I think the absolute key for me that I was doing before I left corporate was reading books that taught me a lot of the mindset. So I read the whole Rich Dad series, maybe mm. not the whole thing, but a lot of it. So for both entrepreneurship and real estate, when certain challenging things happened, I had already read about them. I was like, oh, that means I'm on track. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. about perspective. And I was prepared mentally because I think had I not read that, you know, Robert Kiyosaki went through certain mm-hmm. things and other big guys have gone through certain things. They're like, you know, even the sharks on Shark Tank, they'll be like, you have to not know where your rent payment's coming from in a month. Yeah. You have to not know if you're going to eat. Like, it's a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. So when those months would come where I didn't know if I was going to pay my rent or yeah. I eat, I was like, oh, I'm just like Mark Cuban. it's, it's good. You're like,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where yeah. if I
1: didn't know that, I would have thought I was failing at something. Totally. So I think that's a big part of it. Inherent drive is very helpful, but I don't know that even that would have carried me through had I thought that all of these things were my own mm-hmm. mess ups. You know, it's like, oh, well, Mark Cuban, Robert Kiyosaki, and like, they've all been, I was like, oh, how successful am I? I just hit my right of passage. It's so great. So it's, the whole thing is a mind game. That's why I love so much talking about the mindset stuff, because everyone just tells you how to flip a house and go wholesale and do all these things. And there's no emotions in investing. Uh, Oh, but there is. Mm -hmm. Because when you- Tell me a
0: little more about that. The emotions? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, mostly from the mindset perspective, because it's stressful, right? Like anyone who says there's no emotions involved is lying to themselves because Mm -hmm. it's the fear of failure that keeps people out. That's an emotion. It's fear being the big one. Yeah. Uh, If the challenges come up, it's it's not always about the logistical solution because there's usually a logistical solution it's whether you can weather the whole thing or not. Mm. And that is, maybe it's not like, you know, happy and sad emotions, which those can come sure. sure. but it's the, it's the, it's a mental mind game. And this is for entrepreneurship as well. I had to play so many mind games with myself to even get through the first year. Cause I was like, this isn't going to work. I hardly made any money the first year. And I was like, I was like, Nope, I'm going to set it up like an experiment. I'm going to take the pressure off myself. If things aren't working by December 31st, I'll pivot, but for now pressure, you know, I had to play tricks like that Mm -hmm. all the time. So maybe emotions isn't the right word, but you know, and I tell people sometimes, yeah, don't use the emotions, but like, let's say there's a slew of properties right in front of you and the numbers on all of them are decent enough. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you pick a property? Honestly, if you have some feeling in your stomach and you're super excited about a particular property, well, and even if it doesn't, if the numbers don't work out on paper, like the house I was just talking about on paper, that wouldn't have worked the break-even kind of mm-hmm. thing. But you know, that was a different situation where I got into it, but yeah. you don't always know what the most profitable thing is going to be. So like, don't rule out excitement either. Don't just dive in and just like, oh, that one's really cute. I'll take it. Like run the numbers, <laughs> yeah, do the sure. analysis. But, and then after that, like, if you're super excited about something, kind of just follow it for a minute, yeah. see where it takes you. And this is well, entrepreneurship, everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I love that too, because, you know, I, I believe like I I've looked into like manifestation mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And, you know, even beyond like the spiritual element of it, Yeah, you focus your efforts on the thing that you want yeah. and you go harder. Like literally, if you're excited about a property then you're probably going to be like, see a a bigger vision for yeah. it and, and what you actually want out of it. And then yeah. you work harder naturally to get the results that you're looking for. Yeah. You know? and, and real estate's
1: gonna be hard. Yeah. And so like you're gonna hit the challenging times. So Hopefully to some degree, you're excited about something about it because you yeah. need that excitement to get you through the the harder times. Absolutely. And you, so I moved to California and you mentioned the spiritual side of it. So I ended up getting another master's degree in spiritual psychology.
0: So cool. I originally just what started is that.
1: <laughs> I don't know. And, <laughs> and I have the degree. <laughs> that is a good question. Uh, I actually only started it because I thought it'd be hilarious to say I had a master's in spiritual psychology and a master's in aerospace engineering because like <laughs> totally awesome. options of the spectrum. Pretty awesome. But that degree has turned out to be easily the most beneficial degree by a large margin for me because it's such practical application. Every minute of every day, I'm using those skills. But, you know, with real estate, it helps me coach people because it is psychology. I don't care what people Mm -hmm. say, but there is so much psychology. And that it's just kind of a kind of what you're talking about is like, Bringing in the spirituals, and it doesn't mean necessarily the God side or whatever, but yeah. it's like the reframing, the perspective change, the the willingness to go forward on what you're trying to do, regardless of you know, there's gonna be so many naysayers. Everyone's gonna say, "Oh, totally. it's dumb, don't do that." Here's the reason. Here's seven reasons why you shouldn't invest in mm-hmm. real estate. But if you're feeling it. Go with it. If you get excited about a certain property and you can justify it, again, don't just dive in, you know, without your floaties on, but like you run the numbers, it seems to pan out, go with it. You you know, and what's, and again, what's the worst case scenario if it doesn't work? Cool. Learn from it. Move on. Again, Mm -hmm. don't risk everything you have if your family's going to starve, but whatever you can risk and you do it intelligently,
0: you know, I I want more people to do it. Absolutely. No, I was. uh, I, That's that's so cool. I I feel like that would be so essential diving into the spiritual psychology side of things, you know. And because uh, I, I mean, for me, I, I think it kind of takes a radical belief uh, mm-hmm. in yourself to be able to make this kind of thing happen. Which yeah. you know, I, I mean, radical enough to where you're like, literally. I know that if I hold out long enough, something will pan out, yeah. you know? And <laughs>
1: but I think one either, of the big ones too is yeah. like, let's say you're investing and you lose a whole, let's say you lose $40,000 in yeah. a third world country. I don't, I don't know where I came up with that example, uh, but let's say something happens and it's kind of a quote unquote failure. Yeah. A lot of people, and this is true for life in any regards, but even in real estate too, mm-hmm. is a fail quote unquote happens. Yeah. And instead of just seeing it as a failure, the person now believes they're a failure. Mm. So it's like, okay, so all these investors are super successful, which is a lie. Everyone messes up. Yeah, no, sure, yeah. So let's say you mess up with something stupid, and it's something you should have known better. That doesn't make you a failure. And I feel like I'm like now moving into the therapy couch kind of thing. But it doesn't – and so – but you'd be surprised how but many it's people essential. take that. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, kids – these kids today and their social media, you know, like a lot of teenagers are struggling because they see these overnight successes on Instagram mm-hmm. and because they're not an overnight success, they take that to mean that they're a failure. And it's like, you have to stop with that association of no matter what dumb thing happens or what thing you don't succeed at, yep. it doesn't mean you're a failure because when people take that belief on, they, well, they just won't keep doing it. It's Absolutely. like Absolutely. When the $40,000 got lost, I never assumed, I thought real estate might be very frustrating and a dumb move, but I didn't take it to mean that I'm an idiot. It also helped that a lot of, you know, Wyndham and Nicholas and all those were in, because I was like, oh, it wasn't just me being an idiot. We were all duped, you know? If it was just me, maybe I'd feel kind of stupid. But, you know, taking that belief and just throwing it under the table, no matter what you're doing, entrepreneurship, real estate, life, Mm -hmm. and it's just, you have to separate those things, because as soon as you take those beliefs on, you tank yourself.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You're like, well, I mean, it, it, it just sets you up to be like, okay, I'm never going to take any kind of risk Mm -hmm. and have a low sense of self-worth. And at the end of the day, like you can look at failures as meaning, dang, I really pushed my threshold. Like I went out there and I, I did something that 99% 99% of people would never even try to do yeah. and it probably got me that much closer to what I'm looking for out of my own life. What's the,
1: I don't know if is it someone in particular that says fail faster like um, I like I, what's I the know. what's the thing in sales or whatever it's like you have to get 19 no's to get one yes you know totally. out of 20. Totally so, like, yeah that was part of the mindset thing that I learned, you know, I took from all the books or whatever. So every time I would fail, I'm like, "Woo, I'm getting closer. You're one you know, closer. Like if, exactly. I, if the goal is to get to 20 and I need 19 <laughs> fails to get there, I'm like, Ooh, I'm so close. You know? And like, again, that's that mind, you know, even whether it's true or not, like, so your mind will, you can play tricks on it. Like, Absolutely. Like, hey, mind, we got to fail 19 times before we get the big one. was like, mm-hmm. OK, like, sweet. We just failed. We're so close. Yeah. You know, like you got to play. You got to play games.
0: Absolutely. I'm like doing that stuff nonstop. <laughs> it's kind of fun. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, you know, 12 is probably my number that I got to I got to fail 12 times before <laughs> yeah. that actually that actually works out. I'm like, so let's go ahead and knock them out.
1: It's like failed number 10. You're like, oh, man, that's so exciting. We're getting close. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I love that. So. Outside of real estate, you know, when when we did the intro, we were talking about like so many other things that you do. So, how do you balance doing all these all these amazing things? Like, tell me a little bit. Like, you're flying airplanes and like doing lessons. And well, the best thing now now is aging.
1: I have slowed down. I mean, not that I'm suddenly that old, but like in my twenties, I was balls to the wall. I like was doing non-stop. everything. Oh yeah. I was flying planes and doing the engineering and adventuring. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was absolutely nonstop. Yeah. And now I'm just so content. not that's Doing awesome. the adventures. I think yeah. that's a, it's a personal growth kind of thing. Cause totally like back in those days, if I didn't have social plans for the week, I was a huge extrovert. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have social plans for the weekend by Tuesday, I'd start getting nervous. Like, yeah. you know, and, and when I first moved to California, The city I was living in had nothing happening in it. And so Mm. I actually learned to do nothing. And it's one of the best things that I have ever learned. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure it just means I'm getting old. It makes it so (laughs) much easier to balance everything because I'm not trying to do everything. But I, if I could change one thing about myself, I would like to structure myself more. I've seen like, I've had mentors and other affiliates and all that. You know, They break down their day, like 8 a.m., breakfast, gym, 20 minutes, you know, and Mm -hmm. I can't imagine how much I would get done if I structure my day, but I I just, (laughs) I'm so bad. Like I don't do it (laughs) at all. And I wish that I, that was me, but I'm just not like, if I give myself a schedule, I'll purposely not do it out of rebellion. Like Mm -hmm. I know this about myself. And so I'm actually terrible at balancing all of it, but I've also kind of knowing that about myself, I've kind of structured my life where I get to do what I want when I want. So I can just make, like for me, I have an office uh, after the, at the 10 year mark, I finally rented an office space nice. for my company and I'm not working up for my couch anymore, which is very <laughs> exciting. And, but sometimes I won't go into the office until 5.00 PM. Like if yeah. I have other stuff going on during the day, go in at 5.00 PM and I'll walk out of there at 1130 PM. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's about how to balance, you know, and I'm traveling right now. Totally. And I need to be working. It'd be great if I was in the office all the whole time, but life's short. I mm-hmm. want to travel and see my friends that I grew yeah. up with. And so it's, again, looking at myself, how, what I know about myself in terms of working and could I be more efficient? Absolutely. I can't, I, I can't even imagine what would happen if I would structure myself, but it's just, it's not, it's kind of back to coming full circle on, I could work 20 hours a day, but I don't really want to. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. you know, well, what's the balance there? I mean, I think the balance is realizing like, you know. I'm trying to live my life the way I want to live my life and, mm-hmm. and lean into like lean into my strengths. Yep. And, uh, cause that's something I, I was like, Oh, I got to get organized. I got to get organized. And yep. still I got to get organized, <laughs> yeah. but and we're still here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was also like, you know what? Like what am I really good at and how can I double down on that yeah. so that maybe that'll compensate for some of the weaknesses that are around there, you know? So, mm-hmm. you what know, and, and that's, that's been my thing is, is just trying to like, yeah. Just lean into what feels natural so yeah. that I, you know, and I, and I think there's a difference between natural and comfortable, yeah. you know, oh, 100%. I, I, I think so anyways. And I think uh, you're one of the
1: first people that brought up the natural thing. Cause like I, I put my first book out a couple of years ago and I, I have a whole section there about, you know, cause it's kind of like, if you're trying to choose a real estate investing strategy, really looking at your strengths mm-hmm. because chances are the things that you're strong at are the things you're also going to enjoy more. Yeah. Like there's nothing that I absolutely suck at that I love. You know and so they kind of go hand in hand so mm-hmm. it's like if you don't necessarily know your strength well what do you love doing because it probably is some kind of tied in there
2: yeah but absolutely. the
1: natural thing that it's such a big thing that i wrote in the book is like find what's natural for you because again mm. the whole thing's gonna be challenging anyways the path totally. is challenging so like find something that you're more natural at because if you're constantly swimming upstream you're probably not ever going to be as successful as you would be if you're following something you're more naturally good at because and I even the engineer in me came out in the book I drew a bar graph and it's like if i work on let's say like i'm terrible at cooking and i also mm-hmm. hate it but i could take cooking classes people tell me this all the time i don't know why everyone's so invested in me learning to cook and i'm like <laughs> i don't want to you're it's like, not that i'm not saying that i want to learn to cook and i'm just not doing it i don't want to learn
2: to yeah, cook i have yeah. no
1: interest in that i don't know what everyone's obsessed with that but <laughs> It's like I could take cooking classes Mm -hmm. for sure and I would absolutely get better at it. But how good am I ever actually going to be? Whereas if I take something that I'm pretty natural at and I take lessons, I can send it through the roof. I'd literally Mm. do the bar graph to whatever. So it's like find the things that you're good at and expand those and outsource the rest. You know, it's, it's not like Absolutely. I've, I've done tons of things I'm not good at even now. Like I would like to outsource more stuff. So it's, it's, you kind of have to do things you're not good at, but yeah, when you're focusing on what, because you can't do them all. Mm-hmm. So why not pick the ones you're good at? Cause you're going to enjoy it more and you're going to succeed to levels way higher than if you swim upstream totally. the whole time.
0: Totally. And the cool thing is that whenever you do that, I mean, I, you know, am lucky to get to talk to tons of different small business owners mm-hmm. and entrepreneurs and uh, something that i always see is that whenever you lean into your strengths then yeah. what happens is as soon as you start outsourcing some of these things people will take your vision and they'll do it even better than you would ever do it oh, yeah. you know what i mean which is which is pretty crazy so if you had the opportunity to get to outsource some of the things that oh yeah you like to, my
1: employees for hipster yeah. right now Every employee that I have is doing what they're really good at. Mm-hmm. And all of the things that they're really good at, I am really terrible at. And so That's it's awesome. like, you know, some people in entrepreneurship, they're like, well, I don't want to outsource because I could save the money and whatever. And it's like even, let's say, email blast, for example. Yeah. I So I've actually never even logged into my client database. I have someone who manages that. And if I need something from it, she gives it to me. Totally. I could do all that. I could manage the whole database myself, but is it the best return on my time? No, Mm. it's not. And she's really good at it. She can do it faster and better. And so, so many of the different things that my employees do, even if I tried to save the money and do them myself, I still can't do them as good as they are. Yeah. So it's like, why?
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: I also, I hit on that a lot in my book too, is like the time value of, Uh, or value of time. And I gave an example in it. I won't dive into it, but basically in the early years before I had a web guy, I was trying to figure out this problem on my website. I spent like nine hours trying to figure this thing out. I mean, and if I assign myself an hourly rate, how much Mm -hmm. of my time did I just waste doing this? And I messaged this guy I had just been in touch with, kind of thinking about taking him on as a web guy. He solved it. I don't remember how much time, like in a minute and a half. And I was like, and he was in Romania or Romania at the time, I think. And he was like 12 bucks an hour. So I just paid him like only a couple dollars to yeah. fix this problem Yeah, that I just wasted nine hours of my life.
0: And you're like, and I'm
1: frustrated. I'm hating my life. I'm, I'm not doing anything that's going to make me good money. Mm-hmm. And I could have paid him for a minute and a half of his time and the whole thing would have been resolved. And so I love it like when I'm working with people who everyone's doing what they like to do because at that point, I almost don't even have to act like a boss that often because everyone's self-sufficient. It's not like I sure. have to be like, nope, uh-uh, bad, you know, do this. They're just, it, everyone's doing what they're naturally good at. Yeah. And so it allows me to focus on what I'm naturally good at and it takes all the stress off. So oh, I think cool. it's, it's huge.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool to create an environment where you get to empower other people to just. Mm-hmm do what they love and are the best at too. Well, I mean, Can you imagine like, if
1: everyone in the world was just doing what they're good at and excelling in that? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Like, how amazing. many of us all the time are doing things that we're terrible at, we don't like it, we're miserable, it's making us unhappy. And if everyone had the opportunity to just do what they're truly good at, not to say, you know, no growth. Like, yeah, there's yeah. room for, like, training yourself in other things and totally you know, expansion and all that kind of stuff. So it's not yeah. like you know, never learn something new, but if for the most part, we are all focusing on our strengths, Well, I mean, not to go into like world peace or anything, but like, it seems like we'd be making a good <laughs> we'd, we'd create a much better <laughs> yeah.
0: world for everybody, I think. You yeah. Know? Cause everyone
1: would be happier for starters yeah. and the production I think would be astronomically higher. Again, when everyone in my company is doing what they're good at and it's things that I'm not yeah. good at, everything is at a higher level because I couldn't have taken it to that level. myself. Mm-hmm. it's like cooking. I'm never gonna be a Michelin chef. You know, yeah. like it'll yeah. never happen, no matter if I spend the rest of my life in cooking classes, I will never be Michelin grade. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So why not do the things that I can kind of quote unquote be Michelin grade at? You know, not again, Absolutely. doesn't Absolutely. mean don't learn new things or, Test, you know, get out of your comfort zone and do things that you're bad at. I've Mm -hmm. done that several times and it's (laughs) embarrassing, but it's humbling and it makes, you know, it it makes me more well-rounded. So it's again, not saying don't ever do those things, but when it comes to your company or investing and, you know, the best example, turnkey rental properties. If you look at turnkeys on paper and you had told me before I got into them that that would be my ticket out of corporate and that would be the ticket for the next 10 years of my life, that doesn't make any lick of sense. (laughs) At all. There's yeah. nothing about turnkey rental properties that would suggest this. But again, it just was the natural. Th- I'm so natural with turnkeys that it became that level of success. It just, yeah. I didn't pick it. I didn't, I didn't, I would, I'd rather be good at flipping. It sounds more fun, mm-hmm. like, but I'm not. Yeah. And so again, I could go flip properties, but how successful in the long run, you know, how much success can I have compared to sticking with these adorable little frustrating turnkeys. It's just my thing. And so I'm going to follow that and it's worked again. It doesn't make sense on paper, but again, following that all the way back to what started this whole conversation is doing what's natural and turnkeys are really freaking natural for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good way to explain it too. you know, leaning into that because yeah, that's something that I realized is, you know, not, and people might have a vision of what they think they want to do. But mm-hmm. also, you know, it sounds like you became extremely open-minded too, yeah. you know, whenever you're getting into this process of working with primarily, you know, turnkeys, yeah. because, you know, if somebody came up to you and uh, right at the beginning of it, or before you even thought about it and told you this was no. what was going to happen, you'd be like,
1: even when oh, I started really? investing, I was doing the Nicaragua stuff and the guys yeah. had, they were already working with turnkeys and they threw turnkeys at me a couple times. I was like, I know I don't care about that. Like I want this Beach bungalow. I want beach bungalows. I don't care yeah. about little rental properties, like whatever. And sure enough, the only reason I think I got into it was because Atlanta became one of the big markets. And they're like, Hey, listen, we know you've already said you could care less about turnkeys, but just a heads up, mm-hmm. they're coming in Atlanta. And I was like, well, I mean, that'd be dumb of me not to look into them then. Cause I'm from Atlanta. Like that, that would be easy. Like, and yeah. for $55,000, I'd I'd be stupid not to follow that, and so totally. it was really just by accident that I even listened because I was ignoring them for a very long time. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, and that's where I say like Turnkey's kind of fell in my lap again. Not that I didn't do any work for them, but no, I didn't but... I didn't pick it. I didn't I didn't even when it was pitched to me. I was like, no, uh, <laughs> that sounds so boring. Yeah, and then suddenly yeah. they were not that boring.
0: That's so cool. So what's the Okay, I'm kind of shifting gears a little bit here. What's the so what's the craziest kind of scenario you've you've been in? You already detailed one of your uh, crazy, you know, scenarios that you got in literally today. Is that I, the one I, that I, I
1: just I, came from? Yeah is that
0: is that the craziest <laughs> one? I mean, uh, do you want to talk about that? I, I just I uh, feel I like people need to know. One. I be, I think people need to know what they what sometimes you get into as an entrepreneur. You I'm know, to like, think of
1: the craziest. So this one, <laughs> this one, I don't know if this is the craziest as much as the most eye rolling. Or I'm not sure exactly the emotion is associated, but so this house, I did not buy turnkey. This was my house, which okay, got it. Yeah. So okay. this was a little more sentimental because mm-hmm. I lived in this house. This was, oh my gosh. I know. And so the short story, we've had a tenant. We thought his name was Steven for the last two years, 800 credit score, the whole thing. No problems, always paid on time. And then right. I think it was in April. things. There was suddenly something had to be repaired and suddenly there was a hole in the wall. And we're like, dude, you have to pay us for the hole in the wall. And this hole in the wall thing just spiraled into this chaotic mess. He signed a lease renewal because it was up for renewal. Signs the renewal right before May 1st. And on May 1st, suddenly stops paying, which seems really stupid because he had his free out. He literally could have just walked out. So when he didn't pay in May, they filed, the property manager filed for eviction by, mm-hmm. I don't know, May 20th or something like that. Yeah. And this has been a lesson learned for the property manager too, is at least in Georgia, and I would imagine this is the case in most states, mm-hmm. is when there's an eviction underway, you legally can't enter the property because it's like some kind of conflict, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So the property manager had not gone to the property because they assumed we can't get on the property. Mm-hmm. Well, the lesson about that is go at least check on the property to see if it's vacant because we assumed this guy was still there. Mm. And normally in Georgia, the eviction time is like 30 to 45 days, super easy, whatever. But because of COVID backups, the last eviction they did in this particular County took 11 months. So now I'm sitting there, we're two months into it. I was like, I already have two months of vacancy. It's about to be 11 months. Yeah. God knows what's going to happen to this property while he's in it for the next 11 months. All of us just assumed he was there.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: not only had he vacated the property, so we could have gotten in sooner. So we, this could have been done a while ago. Fortunately, my immediate neighbor called because one of my trees had fallen over the fence. And in this conversation, I referenced the guy who had been living at the property. Mm-hmm. He said, he goes, a guy? What guy are you talking about? And I was like,
0: that's not a good Steven. sign.
1: Stephen. You know, the tenant. he was like, no, no guy ever lived there. And I was like, who lived there? (laughs) Because this is the only person on the lease. And he said, well, it started as two girls and one of the girls moved out. So it was one girl. Long story short, through the conversation with his neighbor, it became abundantly clear. God bless my little house. It has been a brothel for two years and that's
0: yeah steven never lived there
1: these girls were it was one of those things at night there were high-end luxury cars Mm -hmm. new ones every two hours kind of thing and i was like i'm pretty sure my house has been violated and he there were parties and so he fortunately because he i'm thankful this tree fell over the fence because in that conversation he said the place has been vacant for two months. I was like, wait, what? Because huh. this is our inn to avoid 11 months of an eviction. So I immediately called the property manager. I was like, got to go over there. Because if it's vacant and they've turned any utilities off, mm-hmm. legally that gives us, we can take possession of the property.
0: Ah, uh, okay. So yeah. she
1: was about to go over there anyways, but she said they, because they haven't had this situation really. So they're mm-hmm. like, immediately when an eviction gets filed, we're at least going to drive by properties and see if they're vacant. Yeah. Because had the neighbor not said anything, this could have gone on for 11 months. And so my little house has been a brothel.
2: Oh, and no. I
1: think the cool term now is like trap house or something yeah. like that. So when they finally got in the property, and I was like, could it not have been any other property? It's the one I lived in. Yeah. Like that's, like, that's my, be- I love that house. If I could pick it up and it take it to California. It has sentimental value. It has sentimental, yeah. the rest of them are just numbers. That one is, that was, Oh,
0: <laughs> of course it's that one. I was like, yeah, and I have so one.
1: many questions, but none of them are one answers to. And so uh, it's been getting, it's in a turnover situation right now. Mm-hmm. But when they first went into it, First of all, they had left all sorts of food in the fridge and the cabinets. There were maggots everywhere. I was like, what? Oh, This no. is why I don't. I, uh-uh. I, I am. People argue paying property manager fees. No, thank You're you. Like that's just that reason alone. So I don't have to see that. Hundred percent worth them all day yeah. long. Whatever your fee, take it. Golly. So that had, it, the house could have, could be in worse shape. But when they walked in, they saw all sorts of boxes for like expensive shoes and all that. So I don't. I don't know if or to what extent drugs were involved in the Mm -hmm. whole thing. But the Steven dude never lived there. And I've since, when I've told this story to people, I've since found out that this is a thing. I don't know if Steven is specifically the pimp, Mm
2: -hmm. or I don't know exactly
1: the arrangement. I'm assuming he's some kind of pimp, um, that
0: people will rent a house and they
1: put the girls in it. And so I... I can only assume these are consenting women. I don't, I don't yeah. know.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> like,
1: and the utilities were in a girl's name too. So like she even put the utilities in her name wow. and the water lady wasn't really supposed to give me that information, but it, she gave me her name. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I've never in my life heard of that person. So wow. I, I think this is a thing, but it, it goes to, you know, get prop, do prop. And we actually just inspected the property, I think in February. So when we mm-hmm. did inspections, I don't know if the guy would just go show up over, I don't I don't know how this all has worked.
2: Yeah. But it
1: has baffled everybody. It's not at all oh a neighborhood you would expect this to happen. But it's, you know, it's it makes for a good story over a glass of wine when you're telling your friends. <laughs> everyone hears brothel and they're like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. you they're know, like yeah. that took a turn. And it's frustrating. It's super expensive. I mean, by the time I've been paying the mortgage and then all the repairs, it'll probably be just shy of 10 grand in total, wow. kind of yeah. thing. But again, as soon as it's rented, rent, uh, rent, I can't even talk anymore. Rented, <laughs> the thought of my dear old house being yeah, a grandpa, no. I can't even talk anymore. <laughs>
2: hey,
0: it's <laughs> okay. My function. We, yeah. can, we can give a moment of silence hello, for the hello, house. A little uh, moment of silence
1: <laughs> for a little purple house. Yeah. So that's when I came rushing into here today. I just went over there. Normally, I don't see the, you know, I'm out of state. So I'm, I just happened to be in Atlanta. So yeah. she gave me the
0: lockbox code and I cannot believe it. I mean, I can because I feel like as an entrepreneur, you're going to run into so many insane things like no matter what. But that is the first time I've heard anything like that before. That is pretty mind blowing.
1: And it's it's been because that's by far the nicest house I own because the rest I bought as rental properties and this was my house. So it's the nicest. And it's been interesting owning multiple rental properties of which ones perform. This kind of goes back to that. Like Mm -hmm. if you get excited about something, it might be worth going with. Because like when I bought my first wave of rental properties, I assumed, oh, this one will perform the best. This one, this, you know, whatever. It doesn't always work out that. Like I've got one also in Atlanta that has a homeless encampment next to it now. And it's been one of my best performers. Totally. I, God forbid that guy moves out and I have to rent it with a homeless encampment next to it. But you know, somehow, yeah. so it, it's, you know, and this being my nicest house to end up being the brothel, mm-hmm. it's like, I would have expected that on the super sketchy street, but not just, but I guess this was luxury brothel. Yeah. So. Yeah. You're like, you
0: just don't <laughs> know. You know, you never know. know
1: when you're going to own your own red light district. Yeah. I, I,
0: Dang. Cool. I was well, like, well, that's,
1: but I, you kind of got to roll with it too. And, yeah. you know, even thinking of the property management thing, like, again, people don't want to pay six to 10% a month to a property manager do you know how much time she has spent on this project between yeah. the eviction, for herself,
0: multiple legal times fees?
1: Over. Yeah. I mean, she just getting these contractors to show up and do their job. Yeah, She is spending, there's no way she's getting paid properly. Not for my fees. You mm-hmm. know, she's got her salary obviously, yeah. but yeah. me paying a hundred something bucks a month for a property manager, people argue it, but I don't have, it's not even just my time saving. It's my sanity saving, mm-hmm. which this one's a sanity tester, but I'm from afar on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so exactly. I'm not in it and I didn't have to deal with the maggots. So, oh, you know, again, that goes back to that kind of value of time and money. And, you know, another, I put all my best ideas in the book. That's why I referenced the book. Yeah. But yeah, my favorite chapter in there is so I have a theory that there's three true currencies money, which everybody knows about, mm-hmm. time, and sanity. And I feel like people are looking at time more often because yeah. it's a conversation now of like, you know, your the value of your time. But people don't look at the sanity component. Never mind That's the so time true. I would spend on maggots and brothels and evictions and all that kind of stuff. I lose sanity. I can't, I don't mm-hmm. I don't do well with all that stuff. Yeah. And so if I'm going to pay more, I'm willing to pay more money. If it means I get to save my time and my sanity totally. and for different projects, those priorities may be different. I may be willing to spend more time on something in order to save money. Mm-hmm. And this is for life, not just investing, but it's something that everyone's got to look at themselves of where do you want to, what do you want to save more of money, time or sanity? Cause you're going to, you're going to, Pay for things, and one or more of those three things, and
0: these are finite resources. They are very across the board, and money. You know, it's
1: funny because everyone always wants to save money. I'm like, money is almost more of the one that's not finite. Like you can get more money, you can't get your time back, and. To some degree, you can get your sanity back, but you're gonna Mm -hmm. spend money on therapy to get it. You know, (laughs) one could argue, we could get philosophical on that. But (laughs) so, sanity, you can kind of get back, but the time you spend stressed out, you can't get that back. And the stress, you know, the the damage that stress does. And I don't know about you, but I think that life is plenty stressful enough when I do outsource things. Mm that I want to save my reserves. For, <laughs> it's yeah. like the sanity bank. Like I'm, I'm going to keep the deposits in there. I'm not going to, I don't want a landlord. I do have a local property. I landlord and it takes my sanity, mm-hmm. but it's a mile away. So I can't justify a property manager. But yeah. again, so. it's not worth me saving money if I'm going to lose time and sanity. And I, I want more people. It goes back to the strains. Yeah. Like if you're swimming up, swimming uphill that's definitely not that one swimming upstream or climbing uphill <laughs> yeah or swimming yeah. uphill
2: yeah it's hard
1: absolutely you know? so you're gonna spend more sanity because you're not enjoying it so when you're working to your strengths you get to save a lot of that stuff
0: so true so Dang. good turnkeys
1: are great for that but
0: yeah yay man. brothels yeah. I, that,
1: <laughs> just when you that's think you've one. seen it all that is that is a new one and apparently not super uncommon i'm starting to hear more and more so heads up you know just Dang. Make sure your actual tenants living there. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't,
0: then,
1: I don't know the red flags for this. I'm not familiar enough like is there something in his application? I wouldn't know where to even
0: start, you know. I, yeah. He had a
1: great credit, everything qualified. Like
0: They probably don't would know be completely that we undetectable, we have, you know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how
1: we how we could have known that was happening. And again, yeah. we inspected the property once or twice a year. He pulled it off somehow, so That's
0: so wild. But even
1: more to that, like you can't you can't prevent every problem as an investor, so you gotta yeah. kind of. I can laugh about that. sad little day, but like I can laugh about it. Like absolutely, oh, this sucks, but
0: it's okay. just another thing to yeah, another thing to adjust to, and another. Yeah. I don't know. It's almost like another part of the story, yeah. you know? Oh, <laughs> like, it is.
1: It's like I want to do like a tales from a rental property owner, and I'm oh, <laughs> I think that would be stories, great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've heard story. I mean, rental property stories. I mean, any investing story can get quite entertaining.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, Allie, in wrapping up, I always like to ask two questions. Uh-oh. One of them is, what is a myth that you would dispel about being an entrepreneur, if there is any that you might dispel? Um, and then the last one is, uh, you know, what's your favorite thing about what you do? So nothing too, uh, nothing too crazy. Okay. Let's see.
1: This is usually when I go into overthinking mode. I'm like, I want to come up with the best answer. Okay. So a myth to dispel about entrepreneurship. Ah. Uh, I well, here's one. I'm making this up on on the fly, but it feels good. The myth being that being an entrepreneur is all about the business, because I feel like mm. anybody can make a business happen. You know, if let's I don't know supply chain or products or whatever you're doing. Yeah, the business itself is not the problem. Typically, it's the entrepreneur. It is mm. an absolute roller coaster. And, you know, like we were talking about the sharks say, like, you have to go through the periods where you don't know if you're going to pay rent, you don't know if you're going to be able to do, you know, buy food or whatever. And it's true. And in that moment, it's not about, I mean, yeah, it is about getting the products Mm -hmm. selling again. So you're making income. But for me, I think the myth is that the challenge is the business itself. I think it's the mindset Mm. because it will test you to, it has tested me to no end and it continues to test me to no end. I'm in real estate. It's up and down. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, I, I can have $0 months. And so I think that true entrepreneurship success, the challenge of it is not the business. It's the internal person because not to sound cliche, but if it was that easy, everybody could do it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you're going to succeed, what are you going to have to go through to get there. So I think the myth is that it's actually about the business. Cause I think it's the yeah. entrepreneur's journey, whether you succeed or not.
0: Absolutely. So many people don't necessarily take that burn the boats mentality mm-hmm. where they're ready to just <laughs> commit to it hundred percent and yeah. do whatever has to happen, whatever, yeah. whatever you have to do to make it happen. And you you're
1: going to get so. hit upside the head with a concrete block and it's going to yeah. hurt. <laughs> yeah. And so like, <laughs> yeah. And you know, I've, I've heard people say that all the time. And even when I hear them, I'm like, oh yeah, no big deal. It's when you actually experience it. You're Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. That actually, that's uh, way more serious. Because by the time, you know, I'm sitting here and I sound all cheerful about it. Like, oh man, the hard Mm. times are so tough. They're terrible. I sound happy about it, right? Like, I'm like, they're fine. I'm good. I survived. I'm a happy, cheerful person. I'm not in those moments. And so that's what I feel like. By the time someone is telling the story of how challenging it was, they sound really cheerful about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it kind of takes away from the true impact of it when it happens in the moment. Yeah, but it's yeah. Um,
0: that's a great that's a great mm-hmm. thing to share because I know that there's lots of people that listen to podcasts and try to find resources out there to learn from people that have you know walked in the shoes of a mm-hmm. person that's been successful. Uh, I think and, I just
1: came up with a podcast idea for you. I don't ooh. know what what you could call it, but like get entrepreneurs and, but whoever you want to purposely call you when they're in it, like dark soul of the night oh. and just bring them in, like have, you can even have a therapy couch
0: if you need to, but that like, would be, if you
1: could catch people in the moments that yes. we talk about so cheerfully, like, Oh, you want to get, you want to paint pictures. Like that
0: would be amazing. Cause like people yeah. think, you
1: know, it's like, Oh, well, you know, she figured it out. She's smart. But I don't sound very put together in those moments. Mm -hmm. I sound like I'm about to lose my mind. And my mentor, he, he, one time I would all, I'm one of those. I do everything myself. I'm super independent. So by the time I ask for help, I'm basically dangling off the cliff.
2: Mm -hmm. And so
1: he helped pull me back up from dangling off the cliff one time. And so we were kind of, whoo, you know, great. Now we're going to move on. And he goes, Hey, can I ask you a favor? He was like, just food for thought. He was like, Instead of waiting until you're dangling off the cliff to ask for help, yeah, if you see the cliff coming, if you're not even near it, but you see it approaching, call me
2: he's yeah. like
1: you don't you just don't have to like i mean it's that's for <laughs> I'm yeah. about to fall off the cliff, and so you know but get people on a podcast who are dangling. That off the cliff. is
0: such a good idea. <laughs> that is such a good idea. I'm,
1: I feel like the word vulnerability should be in the title. Yeah. Like, entrepreneur vulnerability. is some fun version of that. Like
0: totally. No, I love those that are idea. Hard moments. I could just imagine too. Cause uh, you know, yeah, you're right. Every time we talk about it everywhere, it's kind of like post war yeah you know? like,
1: oh yay it's so great you'll yeah. love it I promise it'll be yeah.
0: fine but it's like no it's
1: it fucking sucks you <laughs> instead of sorry. having your coffee cup you can have a big tissue box right yeah, here that's a good idea they're not gonna be <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay I'm definitely gonna do that and uh yeah I'm, and as uh, someone I, I who's, love not, that who's not
1: into emotions and vulnerability I will not be showing up for that one but I'll uh I'll, uh, I'll maybe I'll email you I'm, okay. I'm willing to email but like and you can just say okay she says
0: yeah <laughs> like don't yeah. make me
1: show face
0: on today's uh, vulnerability <laughs> Corner and I'll, Ooh, I'll read like some, that. you know, that'd be but I great. I like that one.
1: It's like no video cameras, audio only, so you can't see. Like, I'll get red and splotchy, and you know, the, the <laughs> mess just put the mess all out there.
0: That would be, that would be, I think that would be amazing. I uh, I know I would get a lot out of that, so yeah, that's great.
1: <laughs> now, whether any entrepreneurs will show up in those moments or not, you know, yeah, we're, we're not as a uh forthcoming on emotions bunch. Typically.
0: I know, I know it's a, it's, a, it is something. Cause we're like, okay, let's funnel this back into what I'm, <laughs> I'll just, I gotta, I gotta purpose all this emotional energy into something, uh-huh. you know, and, uh, you know, maybe we can, uh, create a, a vessel for people to relax. A little but you know, it'd
1: be really cool of that. And this is a message for people is like, I know, like when I'm dangling off the cliff and I call my mm-hmm. mentor finally, and I talk to him and I have someone else who can see the forest through the trees. Cause in those moments I can't see the bigger Mm, picture. And so like collaborating with someone or having someone help me, I typically leave those conversations so motivated, just, I don't want to say fixed, but kind of fixed. Like I'm like, whew, I got action steps. I'm out of this dark soul of the night mm-hmm. or dark night of the soul type of thing. And so like, it'd be cool. Like if people come in, cause you're an entrepreneur, you know, like mm-hmm. having other people around. Cause I work by myself all yeah. the time. So to be at a table with people who can relate, you know, it'd probably be good for entrepreneurs too. Heck yeah. Like, yeah. Again, yeah. whether you Absolutely. get them to like, walk in the door or not. You know, That's DVD, the hard part. But <laughs>
0: hey, we'll, we'll find a few brave souls out there. I think yeah. to get this thing started. And maybe I'll just do my own one day.
1: <laughs> okay, start get the ball rolling
0: because I know I have got all kinds of stuff ahead of me too. So mm-hmm.
1: get your get yourself in a non-cheery. Put your like, oh, I'm gonna get on I'll the microphone like, now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that does sound hard. Yeah.
1: <laughs> After all that excitement, I forgot what the second. Yeah, question Yeah. Okay.
0: Was. Yeah. No. Second question: What is your your favorite thing about what you do?
1: Oh, <laughs> making my own hours and just, I, um, the lifestyle design part of it. I was like, wait, there's a summary phrase for this lifestyle design,
0: lifestyle design.
1: I I mean, this sounds so minor, but it's been one of the biggest game changers ever. I'm a night owl. I go to bed when my body wants to go to bed and I wake up when my body wants to wake Mm. up and it sounds benign and lazy, but the energy that I have mentally and physically, when I just go with the natural, again, natural flow, natural flow of my body I get so much done at midnight. I can work at midnight and just crank everything out. Why wake myself up at 8 a.m. if I'm yeah. just a complete blubbering idiot at 8 a.m.? Totally. It's not efficient. So, yeah. but uh, location independence, making my own hours. Uh, I'm traveling right now because I want to. I just have my laptop. I can keep up with work. So, and cool. that, you know, I feel like it's one of those concepts, kind of like we were saying, like people talk with a smile on their face about the challenging times which makes it hard to understand mm-hmm. but also like people talk about financial freedom lifestyle design until you've actually experienced it I think it's hard conceptually yeah everyone knows super awesome like oh yeah I can yeah. travel when I want whatever but when you actually get into it it's ten times better than it even seemed on paper and it was already mm-hmm. pretty exciting yeah and so hands down that is why I go through the stressful periods and why I haven't gone back to corporate i in the cup in the early years, I wasn't making very much money and my mom was like, Would you ever consider going back to the engineering job? Where yeah. remember those Friday paychecks? Those were really nice. Yeah. And I was like, I'll sooner be homeless on the beach because mm-hmm. I just don't want to do that. So oh. the lifestyle design component I I spent six weeks in Mammoth skiing in January and I just worked from so an Airbnb. Cool. Travel when I want. I'm in Atlanta right now. Yeah. And going to Waffle House after this 100%. You know, so it's it's that. That is, and it's something that I feel bad that I can't better describe how amazing it is. Because it's kind of one of those things you have to experience to really,
2: Absolutely.
1: really get it. But it changed. You can spend all the time you want with your family, your friends. You can say yes to lunch invites, travel when you want. I mean, it changes everything in my opinion and i think a lot of people are getting more of opportunities for this because of remote work sure yeah, it's it's changing a lot for people so they're sure. starting to kind of see
0: a taste of it yeah yeah
1: exactly and then when you can then work your own hours on top of working from wherever you yeah. want it
0: there's no going changes. back there's no that. going back Mm-mm. you know no oh, that is so cool ali you have given us so many cool insights today Yay. it's been great to have you on it's been uh you know so informing. And I know that our audience, this is all the stuff that everybody's always giving feedback that they want to learn more about. So mm-hmm. thank you for being so open and yeah, sharing did. your story. Uh, is there anything you want to plug before we uh, before we wrap up? Well, Where so can alluded, people find out find Yeah, out I alluded you?
1: to the book. Yeah. And so that was my quarantine project during COVID. And it's called Not Your How-To Guide to Real Estate Investing. Life lessons awesome. on hacking your mind before you hack your wallet. And the idea was most of it in there, I feel like is applicable. You know, we talked about working to your strengths, doing things like mm-hmm. that. And a lot of those things are applicable to life. I just put it in context of real estate investing. And really my goal with that book was to make it a mindset book, like a prerequisite to the how-to guides. Like someone can tell you how to flip properties all day long, but if your mindset's not in the right spot for it, um, it also, I set it up to help people figure out a strategy. You know, people get into real estate, should you Mm -hmm. flip? Maybe, but some people shouldn't. Should you wholesale? I don't know. Depends. So I kind of help people work through that. So, I set up a link for your listeners to get a free copy of the book.
2: Amazing. Do you remember
1: the link? I don't know. I'm going to look it up. Uh, yes. So my com- company's name is Hipster Investments. So if you go to hipsterinvestmentscom slash. Gem. Gem. G-E-M. Yeah. I was like uh, the
0: shortest one you, I have. You got your part and I got my part. In it, <laughs> yes. so.
1: <We're> <laughs> we'll, we'll add
0: it into the description on this too. Perfect. So everybody Show can names. have it. Yeah.
1: yeah. So if you go there, you can get a free digital copy. If you're like me and you have to have something in your hand, there's a link to the Amazon link. Um, uh, listing for it. And then through that, if you go ahead and put in for that, then it opens you up to all my contact information, reach out. I love saying hi to people. Awesome. I've been doing yeah. tons of real estate investing coaching, even outside of turnkeys. And that's been my new favorite thing is, you know, especially if you're getting started, if you're overwhelmed, whatever. Yeah. So there's coaching information, basically anything I can help you with, you know, just cool. start at that link and it'll, it'll give you all the info.
0: Wonderful. Well, everybody go say, uh, go say hey to Ally. Please do. Yeah. Thanks. I again work by for myself.
1: Home. Say hi. I need people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally <laughs> all right well hey this was an episode of the gem series uh stay tuned for more from ally so much more that's going to be coming out and have a great day bye thank you for joining us on this episode of the gem series the podcast for anybody dedicated to investing in themselves if you'd like to see the resources mentioned in this episode, learn more about what we were up to at rocket level or come over and join our team, just click on the links below. Until next time, this is Blake Chapman and remember to be awesome and do awesome things.